Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program about healing from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway. I am a licensed clinical mental health therapist and also a licensed clinical addictions specialist. But I have also been where you are now and have experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It has been a long journey through the path of healing, but when we finally awaken from the trance that is so easy to fall into around toxic people, life can be absolutely amazing. It's like you can finally breathe and live and experience life in full, vivid, extraordinary color. And I wanna help people get there by healing from the dependency, the codependency, the trauma bonding, and the abuse. The healing process brings us through those long-standing false perceptions that held us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. Hi, welcome back to my podcast. This episode, we're going to focus on how your behavior affects the narcissist. Because anyone that's been in a toxic relationship knows the feeling of searching for clues and answers and trying to fix the relationship and really usually to no avail. Partly because they have programmed us to believe that everything is our fault. They're not going to take responsibility for anything. So no matter how much we change and do, it's not going to work. We all know that nothing is ever the narcissist's fault. Also, because everything is usually so confusing most of the time, and this is intentionally designed by them, by the narcissists. They cause intentional confusion to keep you guessing and to keep you in that dark. And in this episode, we explore many of the tried tactics that people in relationships, including myself, with anyone that has been on the dark triad have used in an attempt to change their relationship for the better. And I have worked with hundreds, maybe thousands of people in these relationships, and I've heard just about everything. And believe me, people have tried everything to get their partner to change or to understand them better. The ultimate goal is for the betterment of the relationship. That's what we want. We want the relationship to work. But in order for that to occur, there are going to be some required behavior changes, almost always on both parties and guaranteed on the part of the narcissist, but also on the part of the target or the victim. People in these relationships have really tried everything. They've tried begging, pleading, arguing, being nice, trying to appeal to their ego or their empathy, which is actually futile because there is little to no empathy. They've tried asking questions, avoiding questions, reasoning, using logic, using hardcore evidence. They've tried really, um, they've actually tried some of the tactics that are used by the narcissists to see how it feels or to see if it works on them. But the bottom line is nothing works. Nothing that you can do will ever change the narcissist or anyone along that dark triad of low empathy and high ego. Not your words, not your actions, not your lack of actions, not your presence, and not your absence. They are not affected by any of that. This is not what drives them. They are literally driven by one thing and one thing only, and that is their disorder. And this disorder, anything that's along that dark triad, has one basic need, and that is to support the ego. 
the ego, meaning the way that they view themselves in the world around them, the rules that their protective brain has set up in order to sustain a sense of self. They have a deep and almost survival need to obtain the support that they need from external sources, not from within. That's the difference because they lack the ability to turn towards their higher self, to turn within, to do any kind of introspection. They have no guiding force, no moral compass. Therefore, they need rigid rules. There are four things that support the ego, and we go over this in a lot of the other podcasts. Those four main things, control, power, admiration, and attention. And with these four pillars, without them, narcissists or anyone supporting the ego fall, they crash and they burn. They turn outwardly for validation and they have a need to control. So in turning outwardly for validation or control causes them to be extremely disloyal since they can't turn within themselves for guidance. Like I said, they lack a moral compass. If they can't turn inward for their own value, they certainly can't look to their relationship for validation because they're part of that relationship. Narcissists inevitably disapprove of everyone. Anyone and everyone that they are with, they will ultimately disapprove of them. This again goes for anyone along the dark triad. They therefore must look outside the relationship. Their deep need for instant gratification makes them very flaky because they discard anything that is too close. They are taken up momentarily with whatever comes along that will supply them any of those four things as perceived by them. Power, control, attention, or admiration. When they are in the process of trying to steal your energy, your independence, your soul, they will likely show you indifference. This causes you great upset. This hurts. This causes anybody upset. They know this because it causes them great upset. In fact, while it causes upset in most people, this might be literally one of the worst experiences for a narcissist. Indifference. One thing they can't handle is indifference. They want you to become enraged. That way, they can pass along their own negative feelings to you. This process is called projective identification, and it is at the core of narcissistic abuse. Projective identification. People along the dark triad, because they turn outwardly, don't have within themselves what most people do, which is empathy or self-regard. Their value is completely external. That means they're empty. Empty is boring and also painful. They don't want this boring, empty, painful feeling. So their goal is to pass that along to you. They want to get rid of it. They want to pass it along to anyone besides themselves. This is why they're mean. If they can upset you, then they can feel like they've relieved themselves of that burden. Now you're carrying the pain and they no longer have to carry it or feel it. I've got this now. You're welcome. That's how it feels like, okay, I got your pain. I'm going to carry this for you. You're welcome. And then they can go on their own merry way until the pain resurfaces. 
and they'll repeat the cycle over and over throughout their miserable lives. Just like waking and sleeping. Empty, dump, release, repeat. But when they go into their routine of negative behaviors, sometimes our urge is to do something to try to get them to change. We want them to see what they're doing to us and how they're ruining the relationship for the benefit of their own ego and how this is ultimately making them even more miserable and it's working against them. We see this and feel this and understand this. And we think if they can just see, if they can just see that, then they will be motivated to change like we would be. Unfortunately, this is not the case with anyone along that dark triad. They are not capable of introspection, so they'll never see it. All the efforts are wasted because they only react more negatively as their own ego defense system works even harder to keep these realities out. If they knew how horrible they treated people, if they were able to access any sort of empathy, they would feel at the very least ashamed of themselves and they would feel embarrassed about acting like such a hideous character. They might see the ugliness that the rest of us see and that they may be actually at fault for some of the problems in their own lives, but their ego defense systems keeps this far away from their awareness so that they never have to realize that they're at fault for anything. And it drives the rest of us crazy because the only thing we want more than anything is to get them to see their faults, to take responsibility, to make some changes, make some effort towards repairing the relationship and themselves. We try everything. Like I said, I personally have tried everything and I've seen thousands of similar attempts from my own clients to no avail. So I'm going to talk about a lot of these things that we have all tried and see if they're similar to anything that you've tried. You might have even tried other things. I don't know, but commonly people have tried reasoning. People have tried reasoning with the narcissist and pointing out the obvious, using logic to help them see the truth and draw conclusions. Partners of these toxic manipulators have spent literally hours days and weeks, maybe months, even years in painstaking efforts to help their partner see how what they did hurts them and consequently hurts the relationship. They explain, they reiterate conversations, um, they use examples, they bring up feelings, but this doesn't work because they consistently twist, well, the narcissists the people on the dark triad consistently twist the reality. They deflect, they blame, they deny, they disregard, they dismiss, they intentionally cause confusion. They act like they don't remember. They act like you don't remember, tell you that you're crazy, that you're too sensitive. And, and the list of tactics just goes on and on. Their end goal is to reject any wrongdoing on their part. People have also tried recording conversations because they think if they have hard evidence, then maybe their partner will see this. They've tried recording these conversations, playing them back, and hoping that both parties actually, both parties will learn where they're going wrong. But usually, and almost always, this only angers anybody along the dark triad even more. And the reason that it doesn't work is because when they record conversations when they themselves do this, it is only 
to use as evidence that you're the crazy one, not for the betterment of the relationship in hopes of identifying stuck points in communication. No, they, they don't understand that. They cannot understand anything other than how they operate and how they see the world. Nobody can. It's very difficult to see things from another perspective that you've never experienced. This is why we don't understand them. This is why it is so difficult for us to imagine that they even use these tactics. Do they use them intentionally? We don't, we never know. We don't understand it. We don't think or feel like that. And it makes us feel crazy to even see a glimpse of it or even to suspect it. It makes us feel wrong for suspecting that. And likewise, they don't think or feel or experience life like people with empathy do. So therefore, they cannot fathom someone doing anything for a different reason other than what they would do it for. If you're recording a conversation in their mind, you must be doing it to use against them and make them sound crazy while you're trying to maintain composure. They think you have the same intent with it as they do. No amount of explaining will help them understand. So it ends up being a waste of your time other than to listen to it later as a reminder to yourself and for you to try to gain a clearer perspective on how you react and how you handle it. You might listen to it and hear where you went wrong or where you got roped into something or, you, or, or where you got twisted all around. And you might learn something for yourself, but they will never hear anything wrong with what they said. And that is if they even do listen to it, because most of the time they're not even going to listen to it unless they think that they might have evidence of you sounding crazy. Not responding is another tactic that people have tried. They've tried not responding at all. Sometimes I encourage this. It's called gray rocking to some degree. Um, but they've tried not responding at all in hopes of avoiding any negative reaction. And while gray rocking is probably one of the safest and more effective ways to not engage, it is not foolproof because this too will be held against you and seen by them in their own perspective, which is more like stonewalling. They're gonna accuse you of stonewalling. They will see it as a punishment because that is what they would do and how they would act. Sometimes this even increases their attempts at trying to engage you in a conversation or conflict or something that absolutely demands your attention. They will boost up their efforts until they find a way that you cannot avoid responding, even if that means a dangerous situation. Like for example, if you're in a car and they're driving, they might start driving in a way that scares you so that you have to say something. Another thing people have tried is responding with the equal amount of anger. And this is exactly what they want. This is their goal. They want this from you. This is a gift of gold to them if you do this, because this is exactly what they can use against you. They want you to be the quote, crazy one. They want to be able to point to you and say, see, I told you it was you and not me. Look at how you're acting. And this is when they might start recording right here. This is when they're gonna record. You have taken the bait. They no longer have to hold those negative feelings in because they got you acting the way they feel. They got you acting like the way they don't want to act. They no, they no longer have to feel bad about how crappy they act or how crappy they are or feel because look at you. You're acting just as, cra just as crazy and crappy as they are, maybe even worse. But that's what they want, so don't give that to them. 
Another um, attempt is responding with kindness. It seems almost sometimes that the kinder we are, the more it actually angers them, or at least repulses them. They turn away from kindness. They don't respect kindness. They make fun of kindness, and they see it as weakness. So kindness really only serves to allow you to check one more thing off your list so that you can be closer to knowing that the relationship is not failing solely because of you. When they accuse you of being mean, you can at least know that you tried kindness, that you are a kind person, but that didn't work either. And a lot of times people will try responding with their, quote, game, because um, maybe, maybe since it works on us, we'll try it and see if it works on them. So people have tried to use guilt, just like they do. They've tried to use sense of obligation. They've tried to use anger. Again, none of this works because they don't internalize anything. We're the ones that internalize everything. That's why this works on us. They externalize everything. Nothing is their fault ever. So their game isn't going to work with them. Some people have tried playing dumb because that's something else that they do. And we're not even sure if they're really doing this half the time. Like, are they playing dumb or are they just acting that way? Or are they really unable to comprehend things that we see as basic common nature? Or could they really be that clueless? It's often a very thin line anyways. And sometimes it's just so programmed in them in their default automatic response of defense that they might not even know they're doing it. Another tactic people have used is over-intellectualizing. Sometimes we notice them doing the exact opposite of playing dumb. They try to over-intellectualize things to the point of exhaustion, using so-called logic from every which way but sensible. It's not hard to do, and you might have even tried this yourself at one point in time or another just to see if this works on them. It's like reasoning with facts, events, and scientific examples. But again, this never works either because they usually just make word salad out of it. They're just pulling random facts that are unrelated. And it's hard for us to do that. We don't really think that way. Another attempt is using humor. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to lighten the mood with humor? When they do it, even when it's only as an insult disguised as a joke. And if you don't find it humorous, they accuse you of being too sensitive or not having a sense of humor or something along those lines. But see what happens when you try to use humor in the same way. But use actual humor, not, not disguised as an insult or anything. And it might work occasionally to diffuse a situation, but it might not. And it might not resolve anything. So it might just kind of diffuse the tension and the anger, but it's not gonna resolve anything. Nothing resolves anything because they don't take responsibility for their actions. So really what it boils down to is what is the best approach? How to treat a narcissist? What do you do? If nothing works, what hope is there? The goal then is for you to regain your own sense of self because they have stolen it from you. We know that the one thing that they hate the most is indifference because your attention or their control over you is the single only thing that feeds their sense of self. So they will show you over and over again how indifferent 
They are. But think about it. If they were truly indifferent, there would be no need to show you. You wouldn't even notice because their intent would not be to gain control. There would be no ill intent. Sure, sometimes there's occasions of misunderstandings, but healthy people work through these. Intentional indifference is plotted and planned. It's constructed specifically for the purpose of manipulation. You will feel the difference. So what you have to do in these situations is literally start by calling back your energy. Your body will signal to you whenever your energy is being sucked out of you. Pay attention to that. Your energy literally goes where your attention goes. And wherever your attention goes, conversely, that's where your energy goes. So the first thing is to call back your attention. Start paying attention to where you focus your mind, your attention. The narcissist tries to monopolize your attention almost always, unless they're doing something that they should not be doing. Start noticing how they are demanding your attention and stealing your energy. There will be a variety of ways, and this has likely been going on for some time without your awareness and certainly without your consent. Bring your focus to when you feel low levels of energy. Sometimes it can be true because you're tired or you've been working too much and you feel drained, but sometimes it can be in the presence of a narcissist. And especially pay attention to when you feel drained um, during something that would normally be enjoyable if you're with the narcissist. Pay attention to what's going on. Where's your energy going? Sometimes storytelling is used to captivate attention. That's what they do. The stories might be long and drawn out and with every unnecessary detail to keep you hooked and focused on them. They'll use phrases repeatedly throughout the story, such as, and this is a true story, and you might find yourself getting irritated after a while. So that the irritation, that's another signal to you. When this happens, you can actually draw their attention to it to break it up for a bit. And for your own enjoyment, you can ask them things like, which parts of the story are true? Wait, which ones aren't true? And this helps you to focus on you rather than being roped into becoming a captive audience for their own sense of self. I mean, this is kind of another way of using humor, but not really necessarily for their sake as much as it is for your sake. But one of the most difficult things to remember is that your behavior has little to no effect on them emotionally. It might have an effect on them, but not really emotionally in the way that we would perceive things or experience things. There are things that you can do to cause them to react with the usual techniques in order for them to regain control. For example, you setting a boundary, implementing a boundary will cause a reaction from them that will have an effect on them. And it might even look emotional because they might go into the victimization again, or they might go into the blaming or the um, arguing or the rage. So you might see anger or self-pity, I guess, when they play the victim. When you don't show them enough attention, you'll get a reaction from them. Um, And when you don't show them enough admiration. Also, when you have an independent opinion from theirs or an independent thought or experience or a different memory from what they're trying to impose on you. If you do anything that shows independence from them, you are likely to see a reaction from them or an eff- it seems like it has an effect on them, but it does, but not emotionally. Or especially when you try to leave the relationship in any way, even emotionally shutting down. 
These are actions that will provoke negative reactions from them. You might see increased anger, stonewalling, threats, and even if those threats are veiled. Occasionally you might get a, a, a momentary return to love bombing, and this is what our automatic nervous system thinks we want. We crave that ego attention that we got in the beginning from them. But meanwhile, our hearts know that this is not genuine. And this is often where we get stuck in this endless craving for a return to what we thought was real. We think we need that since we end up feeling so broken around them. And inevitably, the love bombing stops and everything returns to the cycle of abuse where they want you under their spell, dependent on them, and all the other manipulative tactics return. So how do we break this bond? Breaking the bond takes a little bit of time, a lot of effort. There is no small amount of pain that we actually do have to go through for this. But the best thing that you can do is focus on yourself. This serves two outcomes. The main purpose is getting you back to you. That's the goal. Returning to the things that make you, you, to the truest form of you, your highest self. You reunite with your truest self. Look at the things that you used to enjoy before being swept up in this storm of narcissistic abuse. The byproduct of this, or the second outcome, is the collapse of their supply chain. This begins the breakdown of the iron shackles that they've had you chained to in order to keep supplying their needs. Break that bond and be free. It is time to supply your own needs and quit worrying about theirs. And this might feel rude at first, but it's only because you've been trained to believe that not focusing on their needs is selfish or rude or any number of negative adjectives that they've used to keep you focused on their needs. It always goes back to paying attention to the body. Pay attention to your energy. Notice where your attention is going. Sit with the discomfort of knowing that that signal in your own body, that internal programming and training is going to be telling you that you're being rude when you're simply focused on your needs. And that's not rude and that's not selfish. That's okay. It's not only okay, it's absolutely necessary. Thank you for listening to the Inner Source Healing Podcast. It is important to give yourself the self-compassion that you deserve. And remember that your feelings matter. If you want more information or if you want to contact me, please visit my website at www.innersourcetherapy.com.